Section 9 of Ornaments in Jade by Arthur Macon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Chuck Williamson. Nature. And, uh, there was a broad level uh, by the river, Julian went on, telling the story of his holiday. A broad level of misty meadows, divided by two banks between the hills and the river. They say the Roman world is lost beneath the turf, that a whole city sleeps there, gold and marble and amber, all buried forever. You did not see anything? No, I, I suppose not. I used to get up early and go out and leave the little modern village behind me, hidden in the hot haze. And then I would stand in the misty meadows and watch the green turf shimmer and lighten as the gray halo rolled away. Oh, the silence. There was no sound except the lapping of the river, the wash of the water on the reeds. The banks are yellow mud, he went on. But in the early morning, as the sun began to shine in the mist, they purled and grew like silver. There was a low mound that hid something, and on it, an old thorn tree bent towards the east. It was a little way from the tide's brim. I stood there and saw the woods swell out of the haze in the early morning, and that white sun seemed to encompass the town with gleaming walls. If I had stayed still, I think I should have seen the glittering legion and the eagles. I should have heard the sonorous trumpets pealing from the walls. I expect you have seen and heard more than that, said his friend. I always told you that the earth, too, and the hills, and even the old walls are a language, hard to translate. And I came upon a place that made me think of that, said Julian. It was far from the town. I lost my way amongst those rolling hills, and strayed by footpaths from field to wood. And all that I saw of man was here and there a blue smoke that crawled up from the earth, from the tree it might be, or the brook. For I could see no house. I went on, always with the sense that I was following an unknown object. And suddenly a, a shape rose from forgotten dreams. An old farmhouse built of gray silvery stones a long barn wavering and dipping down to a black pool pine trees overhanging the roof it was all dim as if it had been seen reflected in water i went a little nearer and i found that i was lifted free of the maze of hills i fronted the mountain looking across a deep, broad valley. And all the year, the mountain winds must blow upon the porch. They look from their deep windows and see the fleeting of the clouds in the sun on that vast hillside. Yellow flowers were shaking in the garden, 
for even on that still day the mountain winds swept across the valley. But those gray glistening walls, a light flowed from them, and they spoke to something beyond thought. I visited, too, the river valley, passing out to the north. The town was soon hidden behind trees, behind a curtain of Lombardy poplars, whispering of Italy, of the vine, uh, the olive garden. The curving lane led me beneath orchards, their underboughs dark green, almost black in the shadow, and the road winding between the orchard and the river led me into the long valley, where the forest is as a cloud upon the hill. I watched the yellow tides cease, and the water flow clear, and the breath of the wind was unearthly. It was there that I saw the burning pools. You stayed for the sunset? Yes, I stayed all day within the valley. The sky was gray but not cloudy. Rather, it was a glowing of silver light that made the earth seem dim and yet shining. Indeed, I say that though the sun was hidden, you would have dreamed that white moons were floating through the air, for now and again I saw the misty hillside pale and lighten, and a tree would appear suddenly in mid-forest, and glitter as if it blossomed. Yes, and in the calm meadows by the riverside there were little points of brightness, as if tongues of white fire sparkled in the gray grass. And the river itself? It was all the day a hieroglyphic, winding in S's beneath those haunting banks, colorless and yet a light, like all the world around. At last in the evening I sat down beneath an elm on the slope, where I breached the scent and knew the heavy stillness of the wood. Then a strong wind blew, high up in the heaven, and the gray veil vanished. The sky was clear pale blue. In the west there was exhibited an opal burning green, and beneath a purple wall. Then, in the middle of the purple, a rent opened. There was a red glint and red momentary rays, as if rose-hot metal were beaten and dented on the anvil, and the sparks fled abroad. So the sun sank. I thought I would wait and see all the valley, the river, and the level, and the woods sink into twilight, become somber, formless. The light went out from the river, the water paled as it flowed between the sad reeds and grasses. I heard a harsh, melancholy cry, and above, in the dusky air, a flight of great birds passed seaward in changing, hieroglyphic order. The keen line of the hills by sunset home seemed to melt away, to become vague. Then I saw the sky was blossoming in the north, Rose gardens appeared there with golden hedges and bronze gates, 
and the great purple wall caught fire as it grew leaden. The earth was lit again, but with unnatural jeweled colors. The palest light was sardonyx. The darkness was amethyst. And then the valley was aflame. Fire in the wood, the fire of a sacrifice beneath the oaks. Fire in the level fields, a great burning in the north, and vehement flame to the south above the town. And in the still river, the very splendor of fire, yes, as if all precious things were cast into its furnace pools, as if gold and roses and jewels became flame. And then? Then the shining of the evening star. And you, said his friend, perhaps without knowing, have told me the story of a wonderful and incredible passion. Julian stared at him in amazement. You are quite right, he said at length. End of section nine.